0: So it's great to be together this morning. This is uh, the third in our series, uh, A Cry uh, of Anguish, uh, as we've been working through the book of Lamentations. And this morning's talk is entitled The Eye of the Storm. And so I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible a few verses um, that you will uh, be able to see in front of you. This is what they say. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have, I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. I don't know if you uh, remember seeing uh, the film, The Perfect Storm with George Clooney. Uh, it was based on a 1991 uh, incident and it was an extreme uh, uh, weather uh, event and involved a hurricane and weather fronts colliding and uh, it resulted in 120 mile an hour winds and 100 foot high waves. And the story was all about a fishing boat uh, caught in the storm. Sadly uh, there was no happy ending. Um, uh, Probably one of the reasons I don't enjoy watching films like that. The perfect storm speaks of a combination of factors which create chaos of epic proportions. And in recent weeks, it feels like we've been caught up in a disaster movie. The situation is so dire that in uh, just a few days, the word Brexit has dropped out of our vocabulary. We're in a crisis that is impacting health, finances, job security, education, and now even our personal freedom. Clearly, there's worse to come. We've yet to see the impact of protracted periods of isolation on people's mental health. Worse is our anxiety and fear about whether there will be a happy ending. For some, that won't be the case. So if you've joined us today, we're in the middle of our four-week series uh, on Lamentations, uh, which is an Old Testament book, uh, which was written, I believe, for days just like today. It comprises five poems possibly written by the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, and it graphically describes what happens to a nation uh, that uh, is uh, being caught up in the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem in 587 and it talks about what happens during and following that siege. It was a national catastrophe and Lamentations helps us feel the devastating impact of a perfect storm. A quick skim read of the book helps us see the atrocities that happened Uh, and leaves us in no doubt how the book got its name. It expresses grief that the writer personally feels. As one commentator says, it shows the natural emotional and psychological reaction to great trauma. My sister is a counselling psychologist and works with people who have and are experiencing trauma. And as I've listened to her, uh, it's clear that trauma has a huge impact on uh, our emotional well-being and can cause deep-seated anxiety, fears, sleepless nights, nightmares, and for many, depression. And situations like the one we're facing today in uh, society uh, uh, leave none of us unscathed. Lamentations is painful reading and I'm sure many of us can relate to the depth of emotion that's being expressed in this book. Yet in the last two weeks we've seen that lamenting is a tool that can help us navigate the pain and confusion that we experience when we are in crisis. It faces us up to the reality of the situation. It's a God-given way to help us process the anguish and uncertainty and fear that we're feeling. Last week, Fran said that biblical, biblical lamenting is a magnet that ultimately draws us towards God. By telling God how we feel, it's acknowledging that, uh, that he is our only hope in this situation. And today we're going to unpack this amazing declaration that we've just read, written by someone who by own is, his own admission is, uh, is feeling depressed. In the midst of the terrible things going on in our society, there is hope for us all. And so, the first step that we can take is this choosing God as our focus. So, we were talking uh, about the perfect storm. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but tropical storms have a central area that's called the eye. And so, in the midst of the swirling chaos caused by the wind, Uh, there is an area right at the centre of the storm which has mostly calm weather. It's the eye of the hurricane, the one safe place to be. You see, in our Western thinking, uh, we see suffering as an obstacle to be avoided or to be got over so we can get to the other side and we can press on. Our aim is to get on with life, to move on. As Boris uh, has encouraged us in recent weeks to show a stiff upper lip. Stoicism, have some backbone, plough on, press through. Yet Lamentations encourages us to do the opposite. Its purpose is to give us hope. really is that true well the poetry that we read in lamentation starts bleakly and it ends on a grim note and in between there's this morass of pain and grief hope really yes here in chapter three we find the eye of the storm Four verses that can bring us respite in the midst of anguish. You see, biblical lamenting gives us permission to cry out about our pain to God. If we believe that God created the heavens and the earth, it makes sense. He is God. Surely he can do something about the situation that we're facing, the pain that we're experiencing. Even if we feel that he's partly to blame, which clearly the writer of Lamentations did. Lamenting at at its basis level is a cry of faith to God. It's us longing for a better world. The world created the way that God intended it to be. A few verses after the verses that we've read, the writer uh, highlights our conundrum. He says this, Though he brings grief, he will show compassion, so great is his unfailing love. Is that true? If so, God could have stopped the coronavirus pandemic from starting. Hundreds of thousands of people may yet die. Billions of pounds are being wiped off the global economy. Millions of jobs are being affected. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. Really? This is truth about God that we choose to believe. The writer says this, yet I call this to mind. A better translation, a better translation of this would be this I cause to return to my heart. One commentator puts it like this. Here we have a deliberate determined teeth-gritting decision to call something to mind. It's an action of the will, not a reaction of the emotions. It's a conscious and difficult choice. I will think about this. He's not just changing his mind, he's changing his perspective. He begins by focusing on God and who the Bible says that God is. He's looking behind the dark clouds of the circumstances to the one whom the psalm says rides Above the clouds. This isn't easy. It means that we have to choose to be countercultural. Instead of focusing on the problem like the media, we focus on the only one who can truly help us. And doing this opens a doorway into hope. Hope born out of pain, but hope nonetheless. By fixing our eyes on God and not the circumstances, the circumstances won't change, but our perspective will. The verses we read at the beginning remarkably show that this is the case. You see, God wants each one of us to simply have a radically changed perspective on the current crisis. He wants us to see beyond the gloom and doom all around us and see the opportunity. You see, to date, most of us have just experienced anxiety, fear, greed and selfishness. And we've seen it all around us. And the supermarket shelves being empty is just one example of that. Change begins in our hearts when we focus on God's heart. You see, in our need, he wants us to be generous. In our fear, he wants us to bring others comfort. And in our sadness, he wants us to be those who lift others' heads to believe for a better day. As I provoke you, I'm speaking to myself. Let's choose to focus on God. The next step involves us considering God's faithful love. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we don't perish. For his mercies never end, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know if you've ever had that moment when uh, uh, you've seen someone listening... Uh, 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 with a glass to their ear against a wall trying to hear what's going on inside a room and uh, you maybe you've had that sense that you know someone's outside a room and you know they're listening well here this is what I think the writer is trying to convey God is addressed personally and that's as if the writer is saying God I I know you're listening I know you're listening to what's going on and what I've been saying it's as if the writer thinks God has had a glass to the wall and has been listening to all that he's been saying in the, uh, in the previous chapters. You see, too often our focus is on an impersonal God. The writer makes it clear he is the Lord It reminds us that when God's people in the Old Testament were suffering terrible persecution at the hands of uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptian uh, nation, Moses, God's representative, is sent to Pharaoh with a message from God, let my people go. Pharaoh's response is, who's the Lord? Who is he? We're living in days when people are echoing that cry in the hearts. Who is the Lord? He is the God of the Bible. The one true God. He's not a Lord, he's the Lord. He's the creator of all things, of everything we see, of everything we don't see. He spoke the universe into being. Take some time to stop and reflect on God. Reflect on the wonders of the universe that we live in. Reflect on this world that God created. We have to close our eyes to ignore what Tim Keller calls the fingerprints of God. We see the evidence of God all around us. I want you to imagine a DIY flat pack. You take it home and you unpack it. You take everything out. You take all the nuts and the bolts out and the little the little tools to put it all together. And I want you to imagine that you throw it all up in the air. However many times you throw it up in the air, it doesn't come together as a wardrobe it takes it takes a it takes a maker someone to put it all together it takes a designer it takes some input this world didn't just happen by accident god created it he formed it he spoke it in to being creation should cause us to be overwhelmed by the majesty and the greatness of God. Today, as we are faced with the uncertainty and the brevity of life all around us, it's a great comfort to know that this world is not a runaway train heading for the edge of a cliff. Rather, there's a creator God who is in control, who's in charge of what's happening in our world, however scary it seems for us at the moment, He is the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, the writer says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find? Is God's love unfailing towards us? Is it true? Is it possible? That God's love has failed. No. How do we know that God's love is unfailing? Lamentations tells us His name. And when the writer tells us his name, the writer is reminding us of what God is like. I have a friend, a friend I had a friend called Adrian who died when he was in his early 40s. He was my best friend. I was his uh, best man. And when I say Adrian's name, a smile comes to my face because I start to remember what he was like, what he was like to be with, the things that we did together. I remember him and his nature and his personality. When we mention God's name and we start to speak his name out, it reminds us of what he's like who he is, the things he's done. The Bible uses God's name, and the writer of Lamentations uses God's name to jog our memory. God's names are various. God has many descriptive names in the Bible that tell us what he's like. He's called the Lord our banner, Jehovah Nissi. God, our protector. He's a banner that we can hide under in the storms of life. He's the Lord, our peace, Jehovah Shalom. In the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty, we can know the peace of God. He is the Lord who is there. God never leaves us, never forsakes us is always with us what good news is that he is the lord our provider when the supermarket shelves are empty and you don't know where to go you have a god in heaven who provides for you he is the lord our righteousness in a world that's falling apart with so many bad attitudes we have one who can wash all our wrongdoing, all our wrong thinking, all our wrong attitudes away. He takes our our sin, the Bible says, and because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, he gives us his righteousness. He forgives us. He cleans us up. He enables us to have a relationship with him. How amazing is that? People like us can have a relationship with a holy God. We can know God. Paul says to the Corinthian believers this, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him, that's Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from our sin. When we speak out God's name, We remind ourselves of what he is like. He is the Lord for whom nothing is impossible. Hope rises in our hearts. As we focus on God, we realise how much he loves us. Our lives are full of daily reminders of his goodness. Every morning we wake up We can remind ourselves, God, thank you for giving me another day, for giving me breath in my lungs. Thank you that I have food to eat. I have provisions, however many toilet rolls we have or don't have. Thank you for the roof that I have over my head. Thank you for my friends. All of these, the Bible says, are gifts from God. Heaven is is shocked when we have nothing to thank God for. Our lack of thanklessness, thankfulness is a sign of our godlessness. It's why the writer in the midst of terrible anguish says, his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Thankfulness is the key to the door of hope in the midst of despair. Thankfulness dulls the pain of circumstances. Considering God's love both today and in the past drives us back to God's faithfulness. He is our safe place, the eye of the storm. As we remain hidden in Christ, the storm can continue unabated all around us. We still see the devastation. We're still buffeted by the circumstances. Yet we can say with the psalmist, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The final step is us calling out to God in faith. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The writer has found God's presence in the middle of the storm and then makes this great declaration of faith. The Lord is my portion, he's my inheritance. You see, we too can come to a place where we can say, God is enough for us. In him, we find Protection, peace, provision, forgiveness. He's all we need. Despite our circumstances, we can say, I will put my confidence in God. Will you put your confidence in God in these days? Will you trust in him? Will you say to God, I trust you above all else? Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can only say things like this because something has changed and shifted in our hearts. We're only able to freely give because we have received freely something from God. Because we have received His grace, something we didn't deserve, something we didn't earn. And as we receive from God, it changes something in our hearts and enables us to be free with all that we have. Is God our portion? Is He our everything? Is our health or our job situation or how much pastor we have the most important thing at the moment? These things may matter, but is Jesus, our all in all. Listen to what one person said in desperate times. I never knew Jesus was all I needed till Jesus was all I had. Let me say that again. I never knew Jesus was all I needed till Jesus was all I had. As we come to a conclusion this morning, I want you to know that this series was planned a long time ago. God spoke to me about this last summer. Spoke to me about doing a short series from the Book of Lamentations. How extraordinary that in the midst of the storms of recent weeks, the sermon title this morning is The Eye of the Storm. Maybe that's just lucky. Maybe it's coincidence. Or maybe God is wanting to catch our attention. Terrible times can push us all into despair. They can drive us to what it feels like the edge of a cliff. Or they can cause us to cry out in anguish to God. We can cry out for God's attention. I want to encourage us to focus on the Lord. To consider who he is and all he promises to do. To remember his loving kindness. And let hope begin to rise again in our hearts in these days. God wants all of us to fix our eyes on Jesus. If you've never done that. You can do that this morning. You can do it today. Tell him you want to give him your life. Ask God to forgive you for all the things that have cluttered up your life and pushed him out so that you've had no space for him. Ask God to forgive you for all the things that you've done to offend him. Ask God to give you his Holy Spirit. For the rest of us, we need to to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus inspires each one of us never to give up, however tough it gets. He pushed through, went to the cross for us, never gave up for the joy set before him. Each one of us need to follow his example. As followers of Jesus, all the promises of God are now yes to us in Christ. That's what Paul tells the Corinthians. That's why we can walk through the coming days with peace and confidence. It's why we can be generous, thoughtful, caring to everyone around us, whatever the circumstances are like, however bad things get. We are christ's ambassadors in these days we are god's sons and daughters called to show the world around us that he is a loving kind father god wants people to know how much he loves them i read this uh, quote from a friend of mine who leads a church in mid-sussex This is what he said. For years, the church in the West has measured its health by the number of people it gathers on a Sunday. Jesus' barometer of health was different. Do you love one another? In the coming months, with all that we're facing, we'll need to rediscover what that really means. My hope for us here at Hope Church is that we do just that. Why don't you take a moment to reflect on what God has been speaking to you about this morning. I believe God will be, have been speaking into your heart. Take a moment right now to reflect. And in a moment I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. Let the Holy Spirit come and work in your heart. God, touch you. So we're going to pray together. Why don't you pray with me? Faithful God, thank you that in the uncertainty that surrounds us, you are still in control. We choose today to focus on you. Right now, We give you all our fears and anxious thoughts. Come and fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may know your love for us. Fill our hearts and minds with peace. We choose to trust you, Heavenly Father. In the coming days, empower us to share the love and peace of God with all we have contact with in our communities. Wake up people's hearts to your great love for them. Take away fear. Pour out peace. Heal the sick. Protect those caring for all in need. Be with the bereaved. May people come to know that Jesus is all they need. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven Amen Thank you for being with us this morning If you have any questions from anything that I've shared why don't you contact me at steve.chick at hopewinchester.org and I'd love to hear from you And you're really welcome to come and join us next Sunday, the 29th of March, 10 o'clock, online at Hope Church. Have a great week.